I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. In this episode, the allegation of rape at Parliament House in Canberra by Brittany Higgins has rocked the federal government. Who knew what and when? And what now? Well, Mr Hinch, we're here yet again. Welcome to That's Life. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Today, uh, we're going to talk about this story that's emerged from uh, Parliament House in Canberra, uh, an alleged rape in, uh, you know, the seat of government in Australia, Parliament House in Canberra. Quite disturbing. The young lady, uh, Brittany Higgins. Brittany Higgins, yeah. 24 years old. This is alleged to have happened in March 2019, so we're two years on from there, and it's just becoming public. What are your thoughts? It's a terrible story. She's a very brave woman, and I'm glad she's come forward, and it's by no means over at this stage. The story is, and Samantha Maiden broke the story a week ago, um, that, that they're out staff. She was a new staffer uh, in uh, in uh, Linda Reynolds' office, and the bunch of them went out to have a few drinks, get to know each other. Uh, she noticed that the, that the alleged rapist was buying a lot of drinks, a lot of drinks, and she got very drunk, and she's been very open about the fact that she was legless. Uh, he said, oh, we live on the way home sort of thing. I'll, we'll share a taxi. But want, and then they got in the cab and they want to swing by Parliament House. I'm paraphrasing here. But I want to swing by Parliament House to pick something up from the office or something. They get to the office. She decides rather than stay outside waiting for another cab, she'll go in. And the first thing was a security issue. This is why I want to belabour it. Neither of them had their passes apparently. They managed to talk their way. He managed to talk their way in there with, through the security. Security then, and CCTV has confirmed this, security then actually escorted them to Linda Reynolds' office, unlocked the door and let them in, and then later on CCTV showed that uh, only one of them came out and, uh, and uh, Miss Higgins says that she woke up mid-rape. So in the early days of the issue, it was all about a breach of security and... Uh, and that's why the Department of Finance got involved because they apparently run those ministerial offices. Um, and so all the early com- conversations were about breach of security in the early couple of days, I think. And the thing then, the, they ordered the office be cleaned. But that was still at the time they thought it was a breach of security. And so before the minister comes on the Monday, they t- tidy her office up and that was fairly normal. But of course... When you, what came out later on, that it was an alleged rape scene, that, that you could be tampering with evidence. But the thing now, and the biggest issue out of this, and I'll, I'll cut it short because we've covered, everybody's covered it a lot. It goes back to like Watergate, when Senator Howard Baker said, what did the president know and when did he know it? In this case, it's what did the prime minister know and when did he know it? He claims he only found out about it after the story broke. Now, as it's been developed in recent days, um, Obviously, people knew. Uh, I, I'll give Linda, Evan, Linda Reynolds a benefit of the doubt that when they interviewed the victim in the same office where the alleged rape happened, they didn't know. They thought it was a security breach. But at various times as it developed, they did say more because people were asking, do you want to go to the police? And, and you wouldn't go to the police over a security breach. You'd go to them over, uh, over a crime. 
this is not small, this is huge. Yeah. The alleged rape of a person, a young woman or even a man, oh, yeah. just an alleged rape is, uh, is, is huge. Anywhere in Parliament House, let alone in a minister's private office. Well, anywhere in Australia. Yes. Why would there be this discussion about either going to the police or not? Here you've got a guy who works in her office who's accused of this. Why wouldn't you just go to the police? It'd be because I'm, I'm putting thoughts in other people's heads here. If the victim says, I don't want to go to the police for my own privacy or for whatever reasons, as it turns out, she, has, she had multiple reasons. One was she thought she'd lose her job, which is a biggest issue, a big well, issue. Well, how disturbing is that? That is incredibly disturbing. But if, if, the, if the victim says to you, I don't want to go to the police... Uh, because only a small percentage of sexual abuse cases ever get convictions, or for whatever reason, you know. But so I can, I can almost understand. If you, I hope that the minister and his staff said, "Well, I'll go to the, go to the police. We'll support you." Michaelia Cashum, she went to work for later, claims that she told her the same thing. But then there's a very strange phone phone conversation between Michaelia Cash. Which is recorded. Left recorded. Her, uh, yeah, and, 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 and it seems like from the phone call, and this was a phone call made, I think, in October 2019, yeah. that she knew all about it. Well, then she did. But see, and, and so did a member of the PM staff who went back to who worked for Reynolds and went back to work for the PM. I thought two things about the Prime Minister on this. I, I do not know if he's, if he's fudging. I can't know. He claims quite vehemently and quite categorically that he found out on a certain date. Now, if, if, well, if, if can if, I just cut in here, Darren? Uh, this is the game that politicians play. Now, now maybe he knew that there was an incident, but is he saying I only knew about the alleged rape on this day? Yes, he could have. He could have known about about he, something, something about the security breach or something like that. I thought his comments in Parliament that you don't take stuff from one department to another was weak. I thought the idea that that he, what she. These aren't defence secrets she's sharing from Lindy Reynolds' office with the PM's office, and you're entitled to talk to PM anyway. This was about a, a sexual assault. Um, I found that the Prime Minister's comments, when he tried to, when he went, and I cringed actually, when he said, I went home to Jen, his wife, and Jen said, you've got to think about this as a husband, sorry, as a father of, da- of, of daughters. And I went on Twitter and said, hang on, I don't have any daughters. But as a human being, I know that rape is a crime. And what happened, allegedly, is wrong. So he made it sound like he hadn't taken it that seriously until he got home and Jen told him, take this seriously. And I thought he looked, he looked very, very weak in that moment. Well, he, and he looked sort of this old-fashioned idea that uh, men have got to protect their women and, uh, you know, that's our role. And uh, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I just think that uh, it was... The total wrong thing to well, say. Well, if he only had sons, would would, would that not? And, and the, the victim was a girl. Understand? Would he would not understand? Yeah. He, he made it sound like the full horror of this only hit him when he talked to when he talked to his missus, and I, I found that very strange. Well, I, I see Malcolm Turnbull appeared on mm. the ABC uh, breakfast television show saying it's 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 just unfathomable that the prime minister had no idea about it. That that he believes that that. He would have been told. Well, I tell you, when I was a senator, if my staff hid something like that from me, I'd sack them. 
because it makes because you're responsible. You know, you're the person in charge of that office, and uh, and if one of your staff has has been has been abused, uh, you, you need to know these things. And so it does go back to that thing that I said before. What did he know and when did he know it? And that, that will be crucial in the days and weeks ahead. Now, I noticed that um, Miss Higgins, uh, and by the time we go to air with us, she probably will have been to the police and made, making more formal complaints. Well, Friday evening it came out that she was going to make Yeah, in the mid, 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 sometime midweek. Yep. Um, the alleged rapist checked himself into hospital, which uh, I found was unusual because this is a... I mean, this, this this crime, alleged crime, happened a couple of years ago. So why now he goes to hospital? Uh, but it, it there is form for this. Um, I think of Robert Doyle when the details started coming out about the Lord Mayor. He uh, checked himself into hospital. So I, I find that uh, I find that very strange. Yeah. Well, the uh, the suggestion was he checked himself into hospital for some sort of mental health uh, issue. Mm. The other thing that's come out is that another woman another has woman. come forward and said that it's something similar, you know. And this was, and according to, I think, the Australian newspaper ran that story, is that it happened to her after the Higgins event, which meant if it had come out then, she may not have happened to her, if, allegedly. So I know that some some um, small um, media groups have published the man's name. I was challenged to say, why haven't you? And I said, well, Do you know who the person is? I don't know his name. I've seen his photograph. I don't know his name. Um, what do you know about but if, if I, but if I did have it, if I did have his name, I wouldn't publish it yet because he has not been charged. The minute he's charged, if and when, of course I'd go public with it. You know. Well, what do you know about him? Uh, I just know he was a, a, a bit of a... Um, a bit of a fast mover in in, in, in the Liberal Party. Uh, the uh, he uh, he got sacked very quickly after this, but that was because of the security breach. Well, that's interesting though, because uh, I, I've read that uh, people in Canberra that work in Parliament come in and out often at various times of the day and night, mm. and sometimes they are inebriated. So, uh, mm. what was particular about this? Well, the thing I think is because and of the why wasn't uh, Brittany Higgins then uh, sacked as well if it was just a security breach? That's right, exactly, because she 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 was a staffer who breached security as well. Look, I know that um, people do turn up without their pass, and you can talk your way through and talk your way in, but the, also it's. Um, come out that apparently after he was sacked, supposedly only for the security breach, he then got a job in Sydney with a PR firm, I think, but he had two very substantial references from two people whom we don't know who they are yet. Now, if he got references from people either in in Reynolds' office or the PMO, the PMO um, that's disgraceful. I mean... If because they they would have known the I, I don't know the name so I'm just treading a bit carefully here because if it turns out that the reference was written by people who knew he was an alleged rapist when he resigned, that's a terrible indictment of them. The other questions that are raised here is the the culture of Parliament House in Canberra. Now you've yeah, look, I there. I must admit and. I, I, I was I was aware, and the Barnaby George thing brought it all up. I mean, people said, "Why didn't you talk about Barnaby George?" So I didn't know. You know, so it wasn't as common knowledge as people thought it was until until it was made public in, in the media. Um, I, I think the, there's a culture of consensual sexual relations in Parliament. 
there has been. I mean, that's more why Turnbull, when he was Prime Minister, decided that ministers could not have, have relations with their staff, uh, that one would have to leave. But it's, it's, there was a culture like in the case of the um, Barnaby Joyce case where a staffer, which is a bit of embarrassment, this isn't, about a, 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 this isn't about sexual abuse, it's about a consensual thing, is moved to another minister's office. Now, you, had, you saw that... Um, that um, uh, Brittany Higgins was moved to Michaelia Cash's office. Now, Michaelia Cash obviously knew the background at that time. So, with the, with the, I mean, it is a male-dominated place. I'm not giving, not, not trying to hide that. But I, I, I did not expect, I was asked to write a piece the other day about this so-called culture, and I declined because I said I don't know enough about it, yeah. even though I was there. Well, I guess you've got all the, the, the chemical ingredients there to begin the combustion, if you like. Uh, you know, you've got power. Mm. You've got uh, men and women working together, removed from their families because they come from all over Australia and they're in Canberra. And often for long, long hours and long, long days and nights. Uh, that's right. And uh, it, it, they work so intensely together that uh, it would just be normal that I guess these sort of relationships uh, begin. And, and you do have that. But there are so many problems. Well, I do know, the, the, the closest I got to knowing about it, this sort of thing was that a senior minister once said to me, walking along a corridor, he said, oh, I said, and we didn't go to the House of Reps very often, we were totally separate the House of Reps and the Senate, and we walked along a corridor, he said, oh, I said, we used to always have Thursday night parties in the corridors here, but uh, oh, it was too much drinking and horizontal folk dancing, so we decided <laughs> to stop it. Well, John Howard, when he was the Treasurer under Malcolm Fraser, he was notorious for parties that... Oh, he, well, on the Treasurer's budget night, the fastest mover on the dance floor at one o'clock in the morning was John, John Allen up there dancing away, you know, which and people found hard to believe. Well, I do. You look at him now, you think, geez, how could Well, you looked guy? at him then, it looked like an accountant, you know, but he'd be, he, had, he had the best treasurer's they're, they're, parties. They're the ones you have to watch. Is that right? Yeah. yeah so. But, of course, this all goes back, you know, there's been, I mean, Junie Morosi back in the mm. 70s, Jim Cairns, uh, Ainsley Goddard, we've spoken about all of these, uh, the, these things, so... Um, it's, but these, those sorts of things, consensual things, are one thing. If there has been a massive cover-up here, it has to be shown and it has to be brought out. Whoever and and heads have to roll if uh, whoever is covering it up. Um, I know the PM now says there'll be there's several inquiries going on and one independent body, and that sounds good too because when the tax rorts were going on by by some members of parliament rorting the system, they brought in an, an independent sort of. Um, uh, body to 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 monitor if your if your expense was legit, and that has worked pretty well. Do you think, Aaron, this will affect? Uh, you mentioned a couple of podcasts earlier that there will be an election later this year. Will will it affect how people vote? I don't. Um, I'm not so sure. I think people. This will be a COVID election. I really do. Um, how they handle it in the months ahead, how the uh, vaccine will be will be handed out, and it's good we should talk about this because th this week Sunday uh, the first vaccinations were done. We had uh, the prime minister and uh, and some older Australians were all vaccinated, and I don't at all mind the PM quote jumping the queue. That's what other presidents have done and leaders have done because you want to show people that. I'm confident enough to audit to to put this out there, and I'll take it first. Now, well, I, I saw Joe Biden sort of lift up his shirt yeah. and get his uh, injection. So done. yeah, and 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 so I, I don't fight that at all. Ironically, uh, on the COVID situation and the vaccines, uh, 
Last weekend, of course, we had anti-vaxxers and anti-mandatory vaccination people um, demonstrating all over Australia, uh, even though it's not mandatory, but never mind. Um, on that day, Saturday afternoon, I happened to be in my local coffee shop and uh, obviously a woman's obviously just coming back from the rally from Faulkner Park, I presume, nearby, with a big card saying, you know, no lockdowns, jail Dad Andrews, you know. And she came up to me and said, oh, dear an inch. I looked up and I saw her, the placard, and I said, I said, oh, excuse me, um, uh, I don't wish to talk to you, I don't agree with you. <laughs> right? And to her credit, she walked away and sat at the next table. Then a couple more of her group came and joined her, and one started needling me and saying, oh, you don't want to talk to us. You know, what's that? You're only interested in pedophiles. And, and, and I finally, I, I, I took a bit of it, you know, and I, I, uh, I finally just, well, I stood up, I left, I stood up, I said, look, I said, today the word came out that f the 500,000th American has died from COVID. And she's, that's fake news. That's just a hoax. It's all a hoax. And, and I walked away and I thought, and, and then you've got people like Pete Evans up there giving speeches uh, in Sydney. Uh, these people that were in the <coughs> coffee shop there, were, were they middle-aged ladies, older yeah, ladies? Yeah, they, 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 were, they would have been, uh, you know, 40, yeah, 45, yeah. So we're not talking about silly, no, we're not talking about silly you know, young people. No, that's scary thing. If you saw, the, <coughs> you saw the age of the people at the rallies, you know, um, I, I just can't understand it. I, I, did, I did say, uh, I did tweet a, a couple of days ago that if uh, people want to um, you know, not have the vaccination, let me know and I'll, I'll, take, I'll have yours because <laughs> they're going to be a short supply for a while. But look, I can see the mandate, it's not mandatory, you know, and, and, but the argument coming out on the other side is that, yeah, but, but um, what if I, I won't be able to fly unless I have a vaccine? Well, don't fly, and I may not be able to go into a shop or may not be without wearing a mask or having a vaccine. Well, that's your call. I mean, if, if you want to be, it's like you, you can't send kids to kindergarten unless they've been vaccinated against certain things. And uh, if if you want to play that game, you play it, but there are consequences. Uh, this misinformation brings us to another issue, which is uh, <coughs> Facebook mm -hmm. and what Facebook has done. Now, basically, they've blocked all the uh, traditional media sources because of a dispute they have with the, the government. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> uh, and, of course, these people are getting a lot of their information from uh, Facebook, mm -hmm. and the information is not always uh, accurate. Uh, uh, so that's a, a problem going forward. Well, the Facebook thing is, 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 is multifaceted, uh, the, the whole issue. Now, I'll be honest. I did not know that you could get news on Facebook. Now, to me, Facebook was something, I have a personal page, I have a Justice Party page, I put up editorials, I put up photos from my Goya walks and, uh, and chat with people. I've got my maximum 5,000 friends or what it is. Uh, and, and that's it. I didn't know you got... You know, and I'm still confused. Why would you... Why would the ABC and Channel 7 advertise their news on Facebook when... They've got their own outlets, but I'm told it's done to that broadens their their appeal. Well, it would increase broadens their, their reach because most uh, a lot of people under a particular age that's where they get their news mm. from. Darren. they don't get it anywhere else from mm. radio. 
radio or television, they get it from, uh, you know, links on Facebook. What I'm learning, having read about this whole dispute going on and people saying this and this, and when they wiped everybody, they wiped charities, they wiped very good causes, they wiped this and this and this. But Facebook is a commercial organisation. I think morally they should be running community services and uh, and 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 um, organ donation sites and uh, other charities and 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 bushfire alerts, but they're not legally bound to do that. They are a commercial business, and uh, and, and I, I know of several charities that are hurting terribly. But I try to delicately point out, well, it is awful, but they're not legally bound to run that stuff. So they are bringing some of it back. I know they are. Yeah, well, that's uh, the the thing is uh, that Facebook and Google they've become so huge. I mean, eighty one percent of the advertising dollar on the internet goes to those two two <sighs> companies. Now, <clears throat> they didn't exist thirty years ago. No, uh, newspapers, television, radio. Uh, Took a lot of the, oh, yeah, the, the newspapers classifieds and newspapers called rivers of gold. Yeah. Can called. you imagine if the internet wasn't around, how how much money those you know mm. old form media would be would be making? The problem is, uh, what happens to journalism? Who funds it? Uh, there's no money now like it used to be. For example, Darren, you ran the Sun newspaper. Yeah. How profitable was that newspaper? Oh, it was. Fairfax was very profitable. Yeah. They were. So but you paid your journalists well. Yes. You uh, had the money to investigate things, send yeah, journalists yeah, I could, I could, I could put all a journal, over the world. I could send a journalist to South America for three or four weeks. You know, I couldn't do it now. You, know, you couldn't move. Very few could do it. But look, keep this in mind. Other internet outlet, outlets, Google is now paying like $30 million a year, I think, to Channel 9 for the for the access to the material from the City Morning Herald, the Age, Ch- Channel 9. Uh, I noticed that Stokes, uh, Kerry Stokes at, Fairf- at um, Channel 7 has done a deal. I just noticed a few days ago The Guardian has done a deal with Google. So other outlets are doing deals about money. So, I mean, if you take, if you take somebody's news, you've got to pay for it. Well, the question is... The- Google's doing the deals. Facebook's not now. Facebook's saying we're helping you. Yeah, we're not pinching it. We're helping you. We're pushing more people to your sites, and and, and there is an argument. Yeah, but, but if 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 if, if <coughs> say I'm the City Morning Herald and my story appears on Facebook, am I going to go and buy the City Morning Herald? I'm just going to read the story on Facebook. You see, well, you may do both. Yeah. I mean, or, I, 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 or some I, people may do both, yeah. and it drives traffic to the Sydney Morning Herald yeah. uh, website. Yeah, and, and uh, the thing is, uh, Facebook says only four percent of what it does is to do with news. For example, you use Facebook in the way you do; mm-hmm. you don't use it for news. No. So they're saying, we ha- why would we pay? We don't need this. So that's why they they well, sort well, of why are Google paying then? Well, well, it's, really not a, it's in, not an insubstantial amount of money. To make one yeah, well, I, I guess that's a different, uh, a different, and and the reason I guess they're paying also is because Microsoft has a, a search engine called Bing, mm. and they've said we're happy to pay. We'll get in there. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come in there. Yeah. So, so that's, can, can people survive without Facebook? Will they just find other outlets? There's a there's a few other new ones starting up. Um, 
We'll, we'll wait and see. Darren, I haven't been on Facebook for 25 years since Facebook started, so I've survived very well. <laughs> well I'm well, still alive. I, I, if you said, here's $10, Darren, go and find a news story on Facebook, I wouldn't know how to. But I could go to Facebook and look up my page and look up other people's pages and look up friends' pages. And, that, and that's what I thought it was. It was like a, like a, I'm interested in when you got onto Facebook because I remember when you got onto Twitter, <laughs> yeah. uh, Ben Wise from 3AW came to us and uh, I remember talking to you about it saying, yeah. Darren, it's fantastic. You can see new uh, paper articles from all over the world. Uh, I was very sceptical. <coughs> did you get onto Twitter first and then Facebook? Oh, Twitter by years, Twitter first. Uh, I got onto Twitter and I remember, I remember thinking, wow, just imagine if you had a 1,000 followers. <laughs> You know, I think now I've got something like 65,000 followers on Twitter. Well, I remember we both started at exactly the same time and you edged ahead (laughs) and took off at a million miles an hour. That's where, Trivial Pursuit, that's where the human headline tag came from because I tried to register Darren Hinch as my Twitter handle and somebody had already taken it. Other bastards. So I tried That's Life and I couldn't get that either. And I (laughs) So in the end, I remember somebody said, oh, you are the human headline, so I put out human headline and it stuck. And so after, and even then when I got into politics, I thought it was a bit uncomfortable having a, a moniker of the human headline, but by then it was it was entrenched and it was too late. Was I, don't, I didn't get into Facebook until many years later. Yeah, um, um, I, I got a lot of followers on Twitter, Darren. I don't know whether you remember, but uh, Molly Meldrum fell off a ladder yeah. at his house. And uh, I don't know, you were ringing me up, can I say that? Yeah. Giving me the information and I was tweeting it. <laughs> And I was getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of new followers just on the basis of me having some information about uh, Molly it, it Milton. Fall, it'd fallen off the roof of his house. He was serial, very lucky that somebody actually saw him fall past the window and land and somebody else was there and could call the ambulance. And I mean, Molly... Molly was very lucky to be alive. Do you see him at all now? No, I haven't seen him in a long, long time. You don't know how he's going? Or no, I, I presume he's going quite well still. You know, he's a Last time I saw him, he came into AW, would have been about five or six years ago. He was affected by what happened yeah. to him. I think his speech was uh, affected. Um, and he hasn't done anything uh, on television or anything since. No, that, that career, that, I think that career's pretty well finished. So. Darren, you'll, you'll get the COVID vaccine? Oh, I certainly will. I'll be as quick as See, I, I'll be... I, I, frontline troops should get it first. Older people should get it first. But I'm in one of the uh, early groups, A, because of my age, and B, because my immune system's buggered because I, of my transplant. I take I take immune system suppressants, which makes me vulnerable. So having had an organ transplant, I'll probably come in in the first or second or third group and more than happy to have it. So you don't think it should be made mandatory? Because I, uh, I actually think uh, it should be made mandatory. Well, you... you <sighs> I'd like it to be, but it won't be, and the government it's, it's knows. It's so important because yes, it is. But um, I mean, I'm not even sure that the polio was made was a mandatory injection, was it? Years ago, I remember being at school and getting some of these vaccinations, mm. and I didn't have any choice about it. Either my no. parents gave permission. I probably, don't remember probably they, parents they did. did Look, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that at least 75 percent of Australians have the vaccination, and. I, I, I don't care, I've said before, I don't care. If an airline says, if you haven't, can't show me a certificate, you're not flying with us, and, and that's what Joyce, Alan Joyce said from Qantas, fair enough. I mean, I'll be happy to know that I'm on a plane, Virgin or Qantas, where everybody's had a vaccination. 
Um, and if I'm in a, in a shop or in a pub or in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a function, I'd like to know that all those people there have been vaccinated. Well, then I think it should be something on your uh, li- driver's licence or some sort of card mm. that you have. So if you go to the movies... Uh, you buy a ticket, oh, and here's my. Oh, I, I think a vaccine passport, a vaccine card that you get when you have it, and the government could put these out there, and that's that's your that's your green light to go here and go there. So yeah. in the end, that's not mandatory, but it's pushing people towards it. You know? Yeah. Well, it's a huge exercise, isn't it? I mean, to mm. vaccinate 25 million people yeah. twice. Yeah. Uh, I wonder whether you can take both vaccines, uh, <laughs> and I'm, whether I'm told, that makes it. No, I'm told. Uh, I did read from some quite expert that they're virtually interchangeable. So, but you, you, you're probably wiser staying with with the one. I mean, the Pfizer one, Pfizer is uh, Pfizer is like one, and then a few weeks later, I think the other one is one, and then a few months later. So, you know, mm. and, and a lot of GPs will be. I think five thousand GPs have signed up to be able to do it. So it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah, uh, we've yeah. been so lucky in this country. I mean, look at elsewhere what has happened and how many deaths there've been. You know, we've been so lucky. Well, luck. We're we're lucky because we're an island. Yeah, and uh, we're small and we're isolated. Yeah, and we've got a lot of space too. I mean, Australia's a big country. Uh, these South American countries, you know, s- some of the people live on top of each other, mm. uh, you know, favelas in 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 uh, Brazil, in, in Brazil like and these sort of places. India, I mean, I mean, how do you do social distancing in India when people are sharing uh, facilities? Uh, yeah, I mean, we are, like, we, we are, um, and, and people here are very uh, mostly pretty cordial. I when I go for my daily walk, if somebody's coming towards me, or a couple are coming towards me, I'll often stop. And stand aside until they've passed, and most people say thank you, and then just resume, you know. So, or if I see a, somebody on the footpath coming towards me, I might just do a detour, if, if, you know, a yeah. few, few yards. Having said all that, I'm still angry, Darren, that we had to have a third lockdown here in Victoria. Mm. Now, Daniel Andrews got on and said, "Oh, this thing is now this second variant. This variant from uh, uh, the UK is travelling at such a speed here. There, there." Bullshit. Yeah, but the problem here, Tony, I've, I've, I've seen some of your tweets, but how do we? How can you know, prove one way or t'other that the five-day lockdown didn't stop it? Well, I, I can't <laughs> prove it. No. But I, I tell you what I do think. I think they did the five-day lockdown because they lost control of their contact tracing. If their contact tracing had been working as they claimed it would, there would have been no need to lock down because they knew where all the cases were. In the end, they did know who, where all the cases were. Uh, the, the, part of your argument, right? Well, I, I have lent towards is it they didn't need to have a total state lockdown. I think they could, like like they did in Sydney when the the Avalon Beach syndrome. You know, they locked down the northern beaches and the rest of the CBD went about its normal life. Shops were still open, things were there, but you couldn't move out of Avalon. If they'd have said that that certain, I'm not an expert, certain suburbs around the Holiday Inn, uh, people could not move from there. You're in lockdown, uh, and and if they want to say, okay, people in Melbourne can't move to this, to this, to this country. Yeah, yeah. I, I I still think that if they were confident about their contact tracing, they would know where the cases were. Because we weren't talking about large numbers of cases. We were talking at most about 13 or 14 or 15 cases, four or five cases a day at the most. Surely their contact tracing would be able to uh, control all of that. 
and also it happened over the weekend of uh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day yeah. Now I was talking to uh, someone who uh, runs an Italian club. They threw forty thousand dollars worth of food away. Well, I was the day the day they announced it. I was at a restaurant, and they had just told me how they were boasting that we're coming back. We've got a hundred bookings for Valentine's Day. Now, you know, and I did also say afterwards. When he announced, the Premier announced we're going to lift it at 11.59pm, why can you lift it at 11.59am and just say, as of now, if you want to open, you can. I'm not saying you have to open, but a little mum and dad shop, if they wanted to, could open, and yeah. they may take a few hundred dollars, which made a, these days makes a lot of difference. I, I, I detect from Daniel Andrews, which I don't see in uh, Gladys Berejiklian, almost like a, a, a callous, almost contempt for small business. It's no, like, I, don't, I don't see that. But it's like it doesn't matter whether you survive or not. The most important thing is that we don't have any cases, and that's just the way it is. Uh, small business is hurting out there. Oh, if if you had a cafe, a restaurant, uh, florist shop, all this sort of stuff, the last year has been horrendous. Oh, for yeah. you. Well, a lot of family businesses that have been around for several generations won't come back. Can't and that matters. Of course it does. And and uh, it needs to be, uh, as we've gone through this uh, voyage of COVID, I think there's got to be a proportionate balance. Yeah. And I think New South Wales has done that best. Well, uh, yeah, apart from the Ruby Princess. <laughs> well, that was early on. Yeah. And, and, was, I, and, I, and I hear on Twitter, oh, what about the, yeah, okay. But 800 and something people died in Victoria. Yeah that number didn't die in New South Wales. And when they got their shit together, they got their shit together. Yeah. They've been open since the end of April. Victoria has now closed three times. Now, I know we're not, we're much better off than Europe and America, but had we been more professional, had, had things been run much better, 800 people wouldn't have died. We well, yeah, have the, the, I'll grant you, the, the, and I've said myself, the, the, the original hotel quarantine system with private guards was was it was it had f up written all over it from day one you know yeah anyway so, we've we've, we've right. talked about all those issues in the past yeah. uh, and we'll all right leave it there. mr hinch thank you very much do for it again time.